Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, uh, I, we are in the second week of a new series that we started this last Sunday uh, called Walking with Jesus. And there's, there's a unique aspect to the series in that we're looking at some of the more well-known uh, teachings and lessons of Jesus, but doing so from the context of where he taught those things. And so hopefully that's kind of a cool, cool thing as we can see some pictures. I've got some video today as well to show uh, as we kind of try to enter and walk with Jesus uh, to where he taught what he taught. And I thought that on this trip that I got to go on, and I know Pastor David was on that same trip. In fact, I've got this cool, I'm not going to show it. I didn't ask him, so I'm not going to show We've got this cool video of where the lesson is today of him and I retelling the story right from the place where it happened, which is kind of cool. Um, but last week we started our new series, and we went to this place called Mount Arabel. If you remember, it was that mountain that you can walk from the bottom to the top, and it overlooks the Sea of Galilee, and you can see uh, all kinds of stuff. It's where Jesus gathered with his disciples and pointed to the city on the hill. If you remember that, we were able to see the actual city on the hill that Jesus pointed to as he was teaching us and his disciples that we should be like light in the darkness of this world, like a city on a hill which cannot be hidden. And it's fascinating as if there's just no way you could have missed that city on a hill, especially at night with all the lamps lit. So today what I'd like to do is take us down the mountain, back to the Sea of Galilee, right onto the shore of the Sea of Galilee for a lesson from the risen Jesus. We find this story in John 21, 1 through 14, and uh, what's really cool is, like I said, you'll get to see, uh, we're going to see some pictures of the place where they think this actually happened. So let's start. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read all 14 verses, so hang in there with me. It's a bit long, but it's really a fascinating story. John 21, 1 through 14. So later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. <coughs> Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, I love the translation here of that. Fellows, uh, have, you, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, and jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net into the shore, for they were, there were about 100, they were about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish that you've caught. Uh, that you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. 
Then Jesus served them bread and fish. It was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had, ris- he had been raised from the dead. What a story, right? This is, we've, we've heard kind of some other stories. We're familiar with some of these other stories maybe uh, about this, these miraculous catch of fish between Jesus and his disciples. But in order to fully understand what's going on, we need a little bit more, a broader context. So because Peter, P- Peter does something so interesting in this passage, and it really sets up the power of Jesus' story in our lives. So let's remember what the disciples have been through. Easter for these guys was just the previous chapter. The disciples at this point were probably just a little bit overwhelmed and were processing a lot. Not only had they been thrown some major curveballs uh, in their lives, but, but their lives had changed drastically in just the span of a few days. Their friend, their teacher, their savior had been crucified at the hands of the Roman authorities. And then there's Peter and, and others who are dealing, probably still dealing with feelings of guilt over when Peter denied Jesus. I think in general we could say of this group that they were probably scared, confused, overwhelmed, and frustrated about what was going on. If you remember, we find them locked in a room filled with fear and confusion, fear that they too would be arrested, maybe even put to death. And then as they're in this room and they're hiding, the news begins to break, right? It's all over Facebook and Twitter. Jesus starts popping up all over the place, right? (laughs) He showed, Jesus showed himself to Mary in the garden, to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the apostles in that locked room. And later he shows himself again to the disciples for Thomas's sake. You remember that story? Yeah, that's a lot for just a few days, right? (laughs) Talk about an emotional roller coaster. So how would you feel if you were experiencing all of this firsthand? Let me ask you this question. What is, in your experience, a normal human tendency when you feel overwhelmed by a set of circumstances? Some people can soldier on and weather a season of discomfort and uncertainty. However, in my experience, that's rare. Often I think people will try to find some kind of calm in the storm, whether to process their new reality and be able to jump back in, or simply just try to set to escape a set of overwhelming circumstances. And so that brings us to Peter in this passage. At this point, we find Peter and the other disciples back in Galilee, right? And back at their home. And we'll get to what he says in a moment, but I want to show you some pictures. This place is beautiful. So here is... Uh, this is right on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we got up early so we could see the sunrise. And I love this picture. And I, we, I think we were joking about it because it's a trinity of fishing boats. Oh, isn't that great? It's so Christian. <laughs> but this is, this is definitely, I mean, these are real fishing boats on the Sea of Galilee. And it is just beautiful. Again, you can see all the way across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and you can see some, some fishermen here. And I've got some video, which is kind of fun, I wanna show you. These are real fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. This is what it would have been like, similar to Jesus' day with and the disciples going out to fish on the Sea of Galilee. They would have gone out early in the morning. Isn't that wonderful? So this goes on for a little while. We won't watch the whole thing, but I just loved taking this video. This takes us right to this, these very places. 
I want to show you this next picture where you can see these fishermen here on the bottom of the picture. Uh, and then what they're doing, they're, they're actively fishing right there. You can kind of see they're throwing their nets out on, on this side, uh, the way the boat is faced here, on the right side between the boat and the rocks, which is really close to the shore, which maybe doesn't make sense, right? Well, on the Sea of Galilee, the fish like to hide in the crevices of the rock. And so when they go out early in the morning, they throw their net between the boat and the rock, and they'll catch fish. So, but usually we think what you want to do is throw your nets to the other side in the deeper water, right? But that's not what the, that's not how they tend to start fishing in the Sea of Galilee, because the fish gather and hide closer to the rock. Isn't that fascinating? So the, it provides a little bit more context. So this is how they would have been fishing back in Jesus' day too. And so when Jesus says, hey, throw your nets to the other side of the boat in the deeper water, you get a picture of what that looks like and maybe why for the disciples, that just doesn't make sense. We don't do that. The fish are over here, Jesus, right? <laughs> so Peter and his disciples are waiting in Galilee for Jesus uh, and we have in Matthew 26, 32, Jesus tells his disciples, oh, sorry, I'm missing some pictures. I'm so sorry. Uh, so this is a cool thing. What we're, we're headed to this very spot where Jesus had this encounter with his disciples where he made breakfast for them. In fact, what you're looking at here is what has tended to happen in all of the famous spots around the story of Jesus. They build a church on the spot where it happened. So that's what you see here on the left is you see the church. You can see the rock. It's the, that's the old original rock. And just in front of the church right here is the spot where they believe that this happened, where Jesus had this encounter with his disciples. And this is where David and I stood. And we filmed ourselves telling this story. Uh, and then inside the church is the rock on which they believe Jesus sat with his disciples and had breakfast. It's cool. You can walk up to the rock and you can touch it. and uh, It's a kind of a, a meaningful moment. This is also, we're not going to talk about this part of the story, but another really important aspect of the story is this is where the reinstatement of Peter happens, uh, where Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? That happens just after the passage we're looking at, which happens right here at this spot. Isn't that cool? You can see it. We're there. It's so great. I love it. All right. So in Matthew 26, 32, Jesus uh, had told the disciples, uh, after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And so we find Peter and the disciples waiting in Galilee. Uh, now remember what Peter said today at the beginning of today's passage. We're going back to kind of the overwhelming circumstances that they've all been facing. And Peter said, I'm going fishing. And we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat and they caught nothing all night. Now this is an important moment for Peter. Um, <laughs> because they've all, we just said, they've all had this really incredibly overwhelming experience over the last couple of days. So they go back home and they decide to do something that they know well. They go fishing. They go back to something that they know, something that comforts them. But here, Peter learns a lesson that we all need to learn, especially following last week's lesson uh, of Jesus calling us to be light in the darkness of our world. And the lesson that Peter learns that you and I need to learn as well, and we're going to use Jesus' words here, which is that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. The disciples are in this interesting season of an identity crisis, right? Trying to figure out who they are and what drives them. And is Jesus alive or is he not alive? And what's going, what's going to happen going forward? What we, what the, they're in the process of figuring out what we already know that they are 
the disciples and all that whole group are daughters and sons of the living God, filled with the Holy Spirit to do what God has called them to do, right? But here we're in this cool, interesting moment where they're trying to figure that out. And I love that because we can so relate to that, can't we, in our own spiritual journey. So remember, Peter knows fishing. Fishing was not just fun or leisure for Peter. It was his former job as a professional fisherman. So what was Peter doing here? It's possible that in the overwhelming state of circumstances over the past few days, Peter decides to go back to his former way of life. There's some scholarly debate about how, what Peter decides to do here. But it's possible that he's going back to his former way of life. Listen, everyone, it's been crazy. I'm out. I'm going to go fishing, right? <laughs> and as we think about this, we need to remember a really important story that connects to what Jesus did for Peter in the first place in Luke chapter 5. This is a powerful connection, and it's really helpful for us. So we're going to read this as well. From Luke chapter 5, verses 1, for, 1 through 11. This was earlier on in the relationship between Jesus and Peter. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, Simon Peter, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, Peter replied, we've worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I love the bookend aspect of this. A shout for help brought their partners uh, in the other boat, and soon the both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John's, John, the son of, sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. That's the beginning of the story between Jesus and Simon Peter. And now we're bookending it with this other aspect where Peter's not sure what's going on. <laughs> maybe he's remembering this encounter with Jesus, and he's, or maybe he's not. Maybe here, because of these overwhelming circumstances, he's like, I'm going back to fishing. This is a very similar encounter. Peter was called to something very different. Jesus had already called him to leave his old way of life. Let's go on a new adventure together, Peter, right? And Peter, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Leave your nets and follow me. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And here in John 21, in the culmination of all things, that is the death and resurrection of Jesus, where Peter's call is to follow Jesus can be realized in the most deepest and most meaningful way possible. What do we see Peter do? Do we see him say, let's do this? No, he's at home getting in his boat, and he says, sorry, fellas, I'm going fishing. So you see, the temptation, I think, in our lives is that when we don't understand God's ways, maybe we don't have the clearest picture of that. Do we ever have the clearest picture of, of the way that God works? Usually not. When we feel overwhelmed with life's circumstances or when Jesus seems to be somewhere else, we can simply go back to our version of, I'm going fishing again. 
We can go back to what is comfortable or easy in our own lives rather than following Jesus courageously forward. And I know that's difficult. We take the eyes, our eyes off our calling that we have as children of God and can lose sight of the risen Savior in our midst, even in our current, maybe even difficult circumstances. We can return to our old attitudes or patterns of behavior that God has called out of us. We can turn inward, maybe become self-centered, self-focused, and we lose sight of the responsibility that we have as disciples and to the people in the world around us. Peter goes back, he takes his buddies with him, and here scripture tells us that they caught nothing. And I love it. <laughs> I love it that they caught nothing. This, we're tr- kind of stressing this idea that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. That we desperately need Jesus in our life to fulfill the calling that he has for us. Amen? We can all relate to Peter's story. He, it happens often throughout the story of scripture that he tends to kind of have this, this really faithful not so faithful approach, right? And I think we all relate to that. I'm so thankful for, for God's grace uh, and pursuit of us, just like he did with Peter and the disciples. These were professional fishermen on a lake that was historically full of fish. And even if we are professionals in what we're doing, we will still fail without the power and the presence of the risen Lord and Savior in our life. Because it's Jesus who fills us with life It gives us the Holy Spirit to live as fully restored and brand new people. So while it's, we're kind of the, we're using the term, we can do nothing without Jesus. That's the the idea is is a negative idea. The positive is that we can do everything when Jesus fills us, right? With where he's leading us and how he's called us. So this is the first lesson from the lake. That we need to rely on the power and the presence of God Uh, to live into this new life that he has invited us to. I want to highlight two other things as the story continues. Uh, Because what we learn next is with Jesus, we can actually be incredibly productive. Not productive in the sense of like our, our world standard of productivity, where productivity, you're only worth something if you produce, right? There's that sense of identity that's not healthy in the context of our culture. But with Jesus, we can be incredibly productive in the kingdom of God and for the way that he's called us to live. And that's a really cool thing. Look at what happens when Jesus shows up in John 21, verses 4 through 6. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, hey, have you caught, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said... Throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. What had been a futile fishing trip turned into an incredible haul of fish, a miracle after Jesus got involved in the labor, (laughs) right? So the lesson is that while we can do nothing with Jesus, there's essentially nothing we cannot do when he's helping us. I hope you realize that because that means we have significant possibility of influence in the lives of people around us and the world because we've got the living Lord and Savior living in us and through us. Praise the Lord. That's exciting, right? Imagine this scene in your mind that Jesus is standing on the shore calling out to a boat on the water. He says, if you just throw your nets to the other side of the boat, you'll find some fish. Maybe the idea of switching sides of the boat sounds a little silly. We talked about maybe why they thought that just wouldn't work, but 
If the fish were swimming on the right side, they'd be swimming on the left side too, right? But the disciples had nothing to lose. Their fishing methods hadn't worked. Obeying the word from the shore, they found that Jesus did, in fact, know what was happening (laughs) under the surface of the water, provided in a miraculous way. He could see what they could not. Often, we can waste so much of our time and energy trying to do our own things our own way, dragging our own nets, putting them on the wrong side of the boat. We keep trying, and we keep trying, and we keep trying. And we, we must remember, it's not about how good of a fisherman we think we might be. It's the enabling power of Jesus, his influence in us, on us, and through us that fills nets and makes the difference in our lives and the world around us. Do you trust him for that? <laughs> Do you trust him in that? <clears throat> so apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. With Jesus, we can be incredibly productive in the way that he wants us and the way that he's called us. And the last thing, the last lesson from the lake here is that aware of Jesus, we can become incredibly passionate about who he is and what he's got for us. What I love about the end of this scene is that when the disciples became aware that Jesus was near, the whole feel of the story changes. Uh, Their passion and their emotion bleed through the text and you can almost feel their excitement. In uh, verses 7 through 14, it says this. Then the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. And he jumped into the water. I love that. uh, And headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. For they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. I love the response of Peter and the disciples when they realize it's Jesus, (laughs) when they they experience this. The lesson that we draw from this is that when we become aware of the presence and work of Jesus in our lives, it fills us with a holy passion that can bring joy and excitement to everything that we do. I think many of us, uh, maybe this has been true in your story, maybe in the past, maybe this is true of your context right now, but A lot of people drudge their way through the Christian experience. Maybe we obey the word of God, we try to live right, uh, but we lack a sense of zeal, no passion about what we're doing for the Lord. And for those who that's true, this lesson from the, this last lesson from the lake is really important, that we can have that kind of passion and excitement and zeal for what the Lord is doing. While Peter was certainly excited about the fish, He dove into the water and swam to shore because he was more excited about the one who was behind the miraculous catch of fish, right? And that's really important that we remember to keep our eyes focused not on the incredible amount of fish (laughs) that maybe is provided for us, but the one who provided those fish for Jesus in our life. It had been a while since they'd seen Jesus and they were excited to be in his presence again to witness his work in and through their lives. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you working to bring about the will of God in your life. How amazing is that, right? Incredible. Too often we forget what we just celebrated over and over again in Advent and Christmas, that God is with us. Oh, let's I know we've said this a a number of times, but let's not 
become too familiar with the story that we lose our awe and wonder about the reality that we live in, that God is with us. He's in us. He's guiding us. He's working in our lives, in the context of our church, in our community, and in our world. God is alive and active and working. Amen. Part of Peter's excitement is because he realized that Jesus was close by. And I believe that's an important lesson for us to remember and to learn as well. That God is with us. He is close by. In Hebrews 13, 5, uh, it reminds us of Jesus' promise that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. No matter where you are, Jesus is closer than you think. And maybe that's a word that we need today. If we could live each day aware of his proximity to us, I think it would bring the encouragement that many of us desperately need on an ongoing basis. Don't forget, Jesus is with you. He's close and he loves you. I love how relational Jesus is in this moment with these people who have gone through the ringer these last couple of days. Even after the miraculous catch of fish, what does he do? He invites them to breakfast. Hey, come sit down. Let's eat together. And let me, let me be your Lord and Savior. I'm so thankful for that grace-filled invitation to this relationship that we all have in the person of Jesus. Worship team, would you come on back up? And then, like I said, this story just keeps getting better and better because what happens right after this is the reinstatement of Peter. This powerful moment between Jesus and Peter where Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says yes. Kind of bookending that denial that Jesus had or that uh, Peter had of Jesus and, and, and reframing that, saying, you know, you did that. Let's make things right. Powerful moment, and it happens in this very same place. So apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. With Jesus, we can be incredibly productive in the life that he's called us to. And aware of Jesus, we can be passionate people for what he's called us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I just want to thank you for, uh, for today. Thank you for this passage. Thank you that in just a really uh, small way, we can go to the Sea of Galilee and see where this powerful story happened. It makes it more real. These are not just stories from far away uh, in, a, in a distant land with distant people. But God, these are real stories where you teach us what it means to follow in your way. God, help us to do that. Help us to trust you. Help us to know that we can do all things with you. That we can do what you've called us to do when you're involved. We can experience the passion and excitement about that when we know that you're near. So God, I pray that today is just encouraging for people, but also challenging to trust you more and more. Thank you, God. May we have, always have this picture of our mind, in our mind of you, the risen Jesus, providing and calling, inviting us to relationship. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. Now I pray as we go from here today, that we can be people who will share more of this story in our own lives with people around us, inviting them to their own process and journey with you. Thank you, Jesus. And in your name we pray.
Would you stand and let's sing this last song together?